Dublin Talks. With us today is Dr. Deirdre Daly, Assistant Professor in Midwifery. She has over 35 years clinical and education experience in midwifery, teaches and supervises across undergraduate and postgraduate programs. She leads the Maternal Health and Maternal Morbidity in Ireland study research team, and that's also known as the Mommy Study. Um, so just to start out with Deirdre, um, first of all, thanks for coming to talk to us today. No, thank you very much for inviting me. Um, so how did you get into midwifery? To be very honest, I never wanted to be a midwife. I was a general nurse back years ago, becoming a nurse in Dublin, and I had um, the absolute pleasure of working in A&E, casualty as we just called it then, for, for a couple of months in a row as a senior student, and I loved it. And I really wanted to do the casualty course. But in order to do the casualty course in Dublin, you had to. The language that was used was do midwifery, not be a midwife, but do the midwifery course. Right. So I got my self signed up for the midwifery course and then I fell in love with midwifery. I could not believe that if you had education, evidence, and that you could share that with women and their partners and men, that you could make such a difference in their lives, a real positive difference. And that was an overwhelming feeling for me. And from not during my training, but certainly I, once I qualified, I just fell in love with being a midwife and I thought, I found my perfect post. It was meant to be. Yeah, I never even looked back. I mean, it was, it was remarkable and it's that whole thing of, if you really listen to women and you can work with them and have, if you're lucky enough as a practicing midwife to have continuity of care or with a couple, which I had for a lot of my career, it's remarkable for them and for you as a practitioner. It's lovely. Mm. Yeah, very good. So what's it like studying midwifery? What would you tell a student that might be interested in the field? Of, 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 of becoming a midwife. Of becoming a midwife, yeah. I, the first thing I would say, whether you're a woman, a man, you have to really, really enjoy working with women. You have to be want to really listen so that you you don't tell them what's best you listen and you try and give them as much information and as much access to resources so they can pick and choose what suits them in their lives it's about your role is to make every encounter with you have some positive benefit for them it's not about you it's about them I would also say that you have to be fantastic listener patient um, non-judgmental. It's not about us. It's about the women and their partners, whatever they are or wherever they are in their lives. Mm. And everyone's experience with childbirth is really different as well, isn't it? Yeah, it has to be individual to that woman and that if she is in a relationship, that couple, it has to fit that woman and fit her life at that moment in her life. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so earlier this week you launched a course on women's health after motherhood. Why did you do this and how did it come about? This was the course called WHAM, Women's Health After Motherhood, and it's a massive open online course, a MOOC. And it's all about women and their health after they have become mothers. And the reason we did it is that the women in the mammy study, and I'll tell you a little bit about that later, told us 
these were the things they wished they had known when they became mothers. So it's very much based on gaps in knowledge, gaps in evidence, gaps in information for women, primarily birthing in Ireland, but it's in English, so it's gone global. And it's run over four weeks, one hour modules over four weeks, and all about your physical health, returning to exercise. All of the common health problems that can happen women, and we call them the, the things that happen that are common but not normal and can be treated. It's about your mental health, about anxiety and depression, about relationships, when they go, go wrong and end up in violent relationships, sexual health relationships, and then finishes off in you and your social networks, how you as a woman and a mother can build networks around you so that you thrive as a mother and not just survive. Mm -hmm. So tell me about the course, how did you do it? The course is, is, has emerged directly from the findings of the MAMI study. And the MAMI, as you said at the very beginning, stands for Maternal Health and Maternal Mobility in Ireland. A longitudinal survey looking at the health and health problems of first-time mothers. And I started it way back in 2010, 2011 for my PhD with Professor Begley and Professor Clark here in Trinity. And the reason I did it, Katie, was that there was absolutely no information on women's health after motherhood in Ireland, no national information and none reported. We have fantastic data on women's health during pregnancy, during labour and during birth. But once a woman leaves a hospital, we stop collecting the data. So we had no way of knowing if women were thriving or experiencing health problems. So we started the study. We expanded it over a couple of years so that by um, we moved to three sites in 2015 and recruited over 3,000 first-time mothers. And these women told us lots of things. They told us about their physical health. They told us about passing urine, leaking urine when you, when you didn't mean to, leaking stools or feces when you don't mean to, pain during sex, being slapped or beaten at home. So lots and lots of intimate, sensitive things. And they told us about these, what they were like before they even became pregnant, and then what their health was like during pregnancy and at three, six, nine, and one year after becoming a mother. And what we found was that considerable proportions of women, lots of women were experiencing one or several health problems. And not only were they not um, not only were they experiencing these health problems, they weren't talking to anyone. And they told us that even at three months postpartum, three months after motherhood, when they would have had some access to still have access to maternal health care, they told us that their GPs, their midwives or their public health nurses were not asking them directly so about they probably thought, in. is it normal? Does it happen to everybody? Yeah, there's that. Is it normal? Does it happen to everybody? Or nobody's talking about it. So we had a national silence. We have no data. We're not asking. They're not telling. And these women are then alone, suffering in silence and thinking, it's only me. There must be something wrong with me. They're embarrassed, too afraid to say anything. And that just really perpetuates this silence. So that was Mammy, and that was what the Mammy study and the women told us in it. And then about 2017-18, we started going back and sharing the findings with the women. 
Now, I think it's important to say that when the study was set up, I set it up as a study with and for women. It was never going to be a study that was to benefit me or anything. This was a study that was to have, do something for the women that were going to give so generously. So when we had some findings, we shared them with the women and they were really powerful and there was quite a few women there who said, you have to do something. You can't just present these results and tell us that one in two women leak urine three months postpartum and they don't talk to anyone. One in 12 women leak faeces, they don't talk to anyone. You have to do something about it. So then we got more funding to do this really formal PPI, it's called, Public Participation and Research Initiative. And in our cases, it was with the women in the MAMI study. So they came along and they joined us and they co-designed our follow-up surveys. But they also helped us co-design this MOOC, this massive open online course. So it's very much written with women, with ourselves, with maternal health and other experts. And it's a based on what these women in the MAMI study told us they wished they had known. Yeah. So we have come full circle by designing what we believe is um, an absolutely wonderful educational resource that hopefully will help women throughout the English-speaking world thrive and not just pull up with things or survive in motherhood. Mm. We've also partnered with, I should say, um, colleagues at the University of Barcelona, Spain, so it's available in Spanish. And in the new year, we've formed a new partnership with people in the Netherlands, and in the new year, it'll be available in the Dutch language. That's great. It's fantastic, yeah. So yeah. it's a resource for women, but it's a, also a resource for healthcare professionals, is that right? Oh, for sure, I yeah. should have said that, yes, because health professionals will also say that they, they're so busy, busy that they're frustrated and that they wish they had more time for individual women. So this course is also developed as a trustworthy, reliable resource that healthcare professionals, general practitioners, public health nurses, GPs, midwives, can use to complement their practice. So if a woman comes into a GP or her midwife or her PHN and says, I have this, I have a leaking urine, you can say to them, have a look at these resources. They're freely available. See if there are any things in there. To obviously talk to the woman and fit in and you know, make sure that she's fully assessed. And then ask the women to maybe have a look at the information so that they become more informed. Mm. Yeah. Th there's lots of studies out there that say women's pain isn't taken as seriously as men's pain. So there's obviously mm. implicit bias there by mm. both men and women. So it's great for women to have these resources, but if they go to the healthcare professionals and they aren't taken seriously or they're told it's a mental issue when it might be a, a physical issue, I mean, how do you address that? through education or there's one of the things I think <coughs> one of the things that we have really really tried to do with this course and it comes up in week three as a topping on week three and that's advocate for yourself now you can advocate for yourself in lots of ways the first thing you need is information the first the next thing you need is know how you can help yourself know what's reliable and trustworthy information and that's what we've really tried to give women so 
Anything we've done is based on what the women in the MAMI study told us and where, what the evidence, current evidence is based on. So women are armed with up-to-date information. Mm. The second thing that they need to do is know how to help themselves and be able to say, I've tried X, Y or Z and it doesn't work for me. And the next thing they need to do is be able to keep a track record of this so when they're talking to the health professional, they have got a downloadable sheet and it's available in week three that says, here's what I'm experiencing. Here's how long I've experienced it. Here's how it makes me feel. I need help. Hmm. So that they're not going to be dismissed. And I think that the other thing it's, they're really going to be listened to and what they are saying is you've presented a health professional with all of the information about how you are and how you feel and you've kept a record of it. And that's fantastic because in the busyness and the exhaustion of those first few months of motherhood, it can be hard. Mm -hmm. It can be hard. Focus on yourself. The haze you're in as well. It's hard to think straight. Lots of women talk about that haze. And you're all consumed with, am I doing okay as a mom? Mm. My baby feeding okay? Are they getting enough on that? So that you and your own health has very much slipped down to the bottom of the list. And this is about bringing it up there because one of our other mantras in the course is if you are well, if the woman is well, the chances are the family and the baby will be well too. Mm -hmm. And do you foresee as a result of this any kind of changes being implemented with regards to the public health nurses and home visits or, or any kind of actual changes with more contact with mothers after they give birth? We know already and we, we, we have really, really strong evidence coming out of the MAMI study, which is very much local to Ireland, to say that women are neglecting their health in those first couple of months postpartum. And that's absolutely fantastic. And they're telling us that something needs to be done about that. The other thing we have is legislation, and that is we have a wonderful maternity care strategy that was published almost four years ago now, the maternal health strategy that says stopping maternity care at six weeks postpartum is far, far too soon. That's when the women are still exhausted. They don't even know if they're healthy or well themselves. They don't even know if they are becoming ill or have a mm. problem that they should seek help for. So we know that that's too early. There are other women, I mean, when is the right time? Should it be at three months? Well, certainly there is a need and it's the women are telling us that there is a need for something longer than that six weeks. And there is a need for their focus, and women have said it, for the visit to be focused on the woman, mm -hmm. not on the baby. So it becomes, how are you? How are you really doing? Mm -hmm. You know, what are you feeling like? How are you doing as a mom? Then how are you doing? Can you control when you pass urine? So that it becomes that really detailed self-assessment and professional assessment of the woman's health done together. What do you need now at the moment? So it becomes very much listening and focusing on the woman's health. And it really needs to be at a time, whether it's at three months or later, it needs to be there. And it needs to be very much woman-focused and focus on her needs at that time. Because the other thing we know, Katie, is that 
all of these problems that we talk about in Wham, the leaking urine, the, the leaking fetus, they're all preventable. Mm -hmm. They're all treatable. But when they're not treated, they go on to become chronic. They won't, in most instances, kill women, but they will leave them miserable in motherhood. Affect your lifestyle. Mm. Affect mm, every yeah. part of it. Every part of it. For example, we know from even the literature, the MAMI study and the literature, other literature, that if you're leaking urine, some women won't, won't leave the house. Some women will be afraid to leave the house. Women will tell us that they change the type of clothing they wear. They change the exercise that they're doing. And some women say that they even stop exercising. Now, in a country that has, you know, that's concerned about obesity and stuff, that's really concerning. It's really concerning that women, because of a preventable, treatable problem, alter their lifestyle so radically. It's a shame. It shouldn't be happening. So if there are women listening, thinking, that's me, I should really do something about this, what is the first step? Is it a physio? Is it your GP? Where do they go? If the first step is, well, I would say, obviously, the first step I'm going to say to women now that we have the resources, log on to Future Learn and go to WHAM women's health after motherhood. Week two focuses all about that leaking urine when you don't need to, urinary incontinence. And it'll take you through the steps. The first step is, what can you do to help yourself? Are you doing pelvic floor exercises? Are you sure you're doing them correctly? Once you know all that, and once you're doing them correctly and often enough, then it's, what's your next step? Have you got a woman's health physiotherapist? And I mean a woman's health physiotherapist. We designed these, the, these resources with two leading women's health physiotherapists, Cindy Cusick and Neve Kenny in the Rotunda. And that leads me on to another point that I would say some women have told us along the way, and this is actually quite hard to say, is that they deny going for help because they can't afford it. Mm. So one of the things that we've done with the course is make sure it's free make sure it's going to be accessible online even after the course finishes so that if you're not sure you can do say for example pelvic floor muscle exercises correctly what you can do is have access to professionally guided coached exercise so you can work through it yourself and after that point if at that point none of these um, exercises work for you then you should seek professional help and I think with the message, particularly in week two and throughout the whole course, is you control it. Don't let it control you. And you've really gotten this all started. So thank you very <laughs> much for that. <laughs> On behalf of all mothers, I think. I would have to say it is a huge thank you to the women. And, and I think I would have to say, I think one of the things that influenced me at the beginning, from the beginning, and why I set it up as a study with and for women was being a midwife. I became a better midwife because of the women and their partners that I met over the years. Not because of the textbook that I studied or because I deepened my knowledge. Of course I did. It was the women that I met along the way that shaped me and shaped me as a midwife. And when I was doing the study and setting it up, I thought, women are so powerful and so brilliant. They're the ones that are going to shape this. These are the, these are the, 
These are the strong people who are going to make this work. And you've seen it, our retention rates are so high because women are so committed to it. And they're so committed to this massive study because it's given them a collective voice. Mm -hmm. So I would say congratulations to the women who are taking part in the study. Okay. Well, thanks very much for, for leading it and being a part of it. And thanks Thank for you. talking to us today. Thank you.